Uh, go ahead and turn with me this morning to the book of Joshua. Joshua, and I'll preach a message as you see on the screen. It came to pass. Now, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. I'm not going to jump into a series until after Easter. I'll, uh, I, I've got a few things I feel the Lord has laid on my heart that I want to share uh, with the body, I think, that are timely. Uh, we've been talking about living in a rut. We've been talking about get out of the place that we are to go to the place that we should be. And so this morning, we're going to continue on kind of with that theme of it came to pass. So Joshua chapter 4, beginning verse number 1. And it came to pass. See, there it is right there in the Bible. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulders according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. Notice this, that this, what they're doing, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them, that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. When the waters of the Jordan were cut off, all, and all these stones shall be, notice here, for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Again, our business meeting is called to order because we start out with the message this morning. Now, now I love this story. How many of you like the book of Joshua? How many's read the book of Joshua? Don't have to raise your hand. If you haven't, it's a great story. I said it in the early service this morning, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, because I, I, I want to I I put my mind there. I want to visualize what it must have been like to be part of that, that, that group of children that grew up into adulthood. They spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness, watching their parents uh, die because of unbelief. Now they're ready and poised to inherit the blessing. And so they're standing here, and, and I would have loved to have been there to, to just kind of figure out what's going on in their mind because they had watched their, the, 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 the previous generation die in the wilderness. Now they're ready to inherit the promise. And the Bible says there were hindrances and obstacles there. So uh, two weeks ago, let me just kind of jump right in. I preached on living in a rut. Anybody remember that, living in a rut? Uh, here's what I said about that. Living in a rut is one of those things that happens unintentionally. I've never had anybody come to me and say, Pastor, you know what, I, I, I'm just going to slide off into a rut and I'm just going to live there the rest of my life. I've never had anybody say they intentionally want to slide off the main road into a rut and stay there. I've never had that. Uh, it happens unintentionally. It happens accidentally. We slide off course, and here's the thing, unless you and I take proactive measures to get out of the rut, what we're going to do is we're going to sit there spinning our wheels until we run out of gas. That is true of any area of your life. Your marriage, your job, your spiritual journey, it's so easy to get locked into a rut, the rut of the routine, that we sit there and we spin our wheels and eventually we run out of gas. So we have to be proactive. Israel at that time was camping at, Mount Hor at, at, at Horeb, Mount Sinai, when the promised land was just 11 days ahead. That's always fascinated me. 11 days journey and everything they dreamed of was there 
And yet here they are. For two years, they stayed at, at, at this place. Why? Because it was comfortable and it was safe. How many of us, how often do we fail to possess our possessions simply because we find a comfortable and safe place? How often do we miss out on the best that God has for us simply because we find that place that's comfortable, that, that's safe? Listen, I, I hear people cry out all the time for revival. How, how many believe we, ought to, we need revival? I, I hear people cry all the time, we need revival. We want, they want God to bring revival to our nation. But here's the thing. The question is, we pray for revival, but are we willing to roll up our sleeves and, 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 and get our hands dirty to usher in the move of God? Listen, unless I'm willing to do something, unless I'm willing to get off my do-nothing and do something, revival will always be a wishful and hopeful idea because it requires the activity of God's people. Listen, I, I believe, you're looking at a guy this morning that believes that every one of us here has a personal promised land that God's prepared for us. Another way of looking at it is God has a destiny for each of us. Listen, I believe that before you were ever born, God had an idea of what you should do. Paul addresses that in Ephesians chapter 2, that we are his workmanship. That we were created with intentionality, that we were created with an assignment, with a purpose that was ordained by God from the very beginning. It is our promised land. It is that place that we find the most joy and fulfillment. And, and, and I know what we think, well, I'm just not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. Listen, when God got ready to use any of us, you know what he did? He just reached over and grabbed a lump of clay. That's all we are. Jeremiah's vision. That's a, we're just a lump of clay. And he began the process of molding and making us into the vessel that he determined for us to be. But here's the thing, that personal promised land hinges upon our willingness to leave the comfort and security of where we are to go where we've never been before. I love the book of Joshua because many times the Bible says you've not been, in Joshua, it says you've not been this way before. You know what he was trying to do? He was trying to get Joshua to get his eyes, don't, don't focus on the challenges that lie ahead of you, focus on the one who's with you. And I think that's where the church in, 20, in the 21st century, where we, this is where we are. Is that we hear the promises of God, we hang on to the promises of God, and yet we're distracted by the many things that are around us in the periphery trying to distract us from the destiny that God has for us, again, collectively and individually. And it all hinges upon our willingness to jump up and do something, to boldly go where no one's gone before. I love Joshua. You've not been this way before, buddy. That's why over and over in the book of Joshua, he kept saying, be not dismayed, don't fear, be, don't be anxious, to be, be encouraged. It was always a reminder that, hey, you're not in this thing by yourself. You're not walking this pathway by yourself. Listen, in our text, Israel is finally crossing over the Jordan River, okay? This new generation is finally inheriting the promise that had been there for a long, long time, over 430 years, they held on to a promise. And as they, as they cross over the Jordan, God specifically told Joshua, now you get 12 men, one from every tribe, and they are to go back down into the river bottom, and they are to, they are to pick up a stone and bring it out of the river bank, and they are to construct a memorial. Now, I came across a quote from Dr. Robert Morgan. Here's what he said. He said, and I quote, God wants us to remember what he's done in the past. So, so let me pause there for a minute, okay? How many of you can look to the past and see the hand of God in your life? Okay, 
So, so what he says is God delights. He wants us to remember. He wants us to be able to look back and see how many times he's always been there. How many times he brought us out? How many times he kept us safe? How many times he provided? He wants us to remember those things of the past. He goes on. His blessings are encouragements for present trials. His blessings are, present, uh, are encouragements for in present trials. He goes on. His faithfulness in earlier days is a harbinger for his care now and in the future. And I like this last part. Our help in ages past is our hope for years to come, end quote. Our help in the past is our hope for the future. In other words, what God did for you last year, last week, yesterday, is what God will do for you today, tomorrow, a month from now, and if he tarries, 10 years from now. That is the faithfulness of God. And, and listen, I, I want to encourage you this morning. See, God has planned that when we find ourselves in, ple- in, in unpleasant circumstances, when we find ourselves in situations that we don't understand and we can't fully wrap our brain around, he wants us to remember the last time we were in a pickle, the last time we found ourselves in a, between a rock and a hard place, how he stepped in, how he provided when there was no provision, how he healed when the doctor said it was inoperable, how he made a way when there was no way. He wants us to remember so that we can be encouraged and have faith that he'll do it again again. I love Karen Wheaton. Karen Wheaton sings a song, He'll Do It Again. In fact, I think the couple times that she's been with us, that was one of the songs that she sang, He'll Do It Again. And it's just a reminder that, you know what, if you can, I think sometimes we have short memories. We get in a present situation and we start thinking, woe is me, God, where are you? When all along, God's always been there. Every time we needed him, he stepped in. Every time we needed something from the Lord, he stepped in. He provided. He introduced us to somebody. Our paths crossed with people that he used to bring an answer to us. Every single time, God's always been there. That's what he's doing. He said, I want you to build a memorial so that every time they see those stones, they can look and say, what does this mean? And you can remind them of a faithful God. Listen, the children of Israel who stood, I want you to picture them, they stood on the east side of the Jordan looking over many of the dreams and visions. Again, these children had heard it all of their lives. All of their lives they heard about this land of more than enough, this land flowing with milk and honey, and, and they heard the stories of their grandfather, and then they heard the father talk about this story, and, and, and then they uh, themselves are standing on the brink of the Jordan, and they look over and they see the inheritance, and they're standing there longing for the promise to be fulfilled. Likewise, many of us sit here today and tuned in online this morning, I want to ask you a question. How many of you are holding on to a promise, right? You don't have to raise your hand. But how many of you are holding on to a promise right now? How many of you have dreams that God gave you years ago that have yet to be fulfilled in your life, right? Those are, that's what I'm talking about. That's your destiny. That's the promise that God made to you and gave to you. Listen, I've been here almost 29 years. You know what keeps me here? And I don't, I don't mean, don't read between the lines, but here's the thing. I had a dream. I had a dream 29 years ago about this place. Again, when I got here, God began to, I had dreams about what God wanted to do. And I've seen a lot of those things become a reality. But you know what? The dreams are still there. The dreams are still there. I'm not through dreaming. I may be down, I may have a hitch in my get along this morning, may be down in my back a little bit, but I'm telling you what, my brain's still working and I'm still dreaming big dreams about what God wants to do in and through this body. 
if we'll simply take a step of faith and walk out and go where we've never been before and do what we've never done before and accomplish what we've never accomplished before. Yeah, the past has been wonderful, but we have present challenges today unlike anything we've ever seen before. I said to the early church, we need a church today that will step up and speak God's truth in a, in a, in a society that has gone nuts. It's not time for the church to cower in fear of what's going on in pop culture. It's time for the church to stand up and not be politically correct, but be biblically correct. It will hurt. People will get mad. They might blast us. They might leave us. But in the end, truth sets people free. And until the church starts preaching and teaching the truth, listen, we're not here to build monuments to men. We're here to expand the kingdom of God. We're here to plunder hell and populate heaven. And that's not popular in today's culture. We want to be told if you make Jesus your choice, you can drive a Rolls Royce. Prosperity. He'll heal you. He'll deliver you. He'll do all of these things. And you'll never have to worry about anything. I'm, I'm, I'm meddling now. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just simply saying that we need a church today, and that's the promised land where a church will stand up and be a beacon of hope in a difficult and dark world that we live in. Listen, we all have dreams, but here's the funny thing. I love this story. When they got there and they're ready to cross over, anybody remember what happened, what was going on? The Bible says that they're standing at the bank of the Jordan, and it makes a very specific statement about that river. Remember what it is? The Bible says as they prepared to cross the river into their inheritance, the river was at flood stage. Was at flood stage. Now that's very important we understand that. In fact, there's a parenthetical phrase in that, that section there that says not only was it at flood stage, here's what it says, that it is always at flood stage at the harvest time. That'll preach by itself. I don't have time. But I want you to understand that before you ever inherit the promise, there will always be an obstacle. There will always be a flooded river. There will always be mountains of opposition, giants of opposition that will stand in your way trying to prevent you from inheriting or possessing your possession. I think it's noteworthy. Paul, writing to the Galatians, he tells us, he said, Now be not weary in well-doing. Why? For in due season. Due season. You know what due season is? Harvest time. In due season, you shall reap if you don't faint. See, what I came to tell you this morning is every one of us have a due date. <laughs> I don't know when that due date is. Now, I've seen a couple ladies that were telling me their due date's July. See, they, you got a due date. And, and, and in July, you're going to be expecting that baby to come, right? We have a due date. I don't know what it is, but God does. God knows. So what do we do? What do you do? You don't sit around waiting for July to come to have the baby. You've got other things to do, right? We keep, we occupy, I don't mean to embarrass you. I hadn't seen her in a long time, so it's, she does my heart good. <laughs> I, we don't sit around. Listen, we all have due dates. And again, we're going to reap. Whatever that destiny is, whatever that dream is, whatever that promise is that you're hanging on to, if you keep pressing forward, if you keep the forward momentum and not become weary in well-doing, it will come to pass. That's what I came to tell you today. It will come to pass. We, we all have that due date that's been established by God for every promise and every dream that is left to be fulfilled that he gave to us. So keep on keeping on and keep on hanging on because it will come to pass. Now, now listen, that's exciting, right? That's exciting. 
But before we ever step foot in the promised land, we will all face our Jordan River. Whatever that river, whatever that symbolizes to you, every one of us will face our own Jordan River. I wish I could stand here. I've told you this a number of times recently. I wish I could tell you that everything will be smooth sailing right up until the time that Jesus comes. But you know what? I can't. I can't. That's not how life works. See, the Jordan River represents everything that stands between us and the fulfillment of our God-given dream. It represents everything that hinders us, to, that slows us down, that tries to keep us from inheriting or possessing our possession. It's something that tries to keep us where we are instead of moving where God wants us to be. You know, we stand here and our promise is over there. Uh, again, this story is such a powerful story. The nation had finally reached the edge of their promise and they're looking over. This land was given to them by God. It was given to their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. During the time of Joseph, they moved into Egypt and they didn't realize that, that moving into Egypt, they wanted to be there another 430 years. They were there 430 years in bondage and they kept hearing stories about the land flowing with milk and honey. But here's the reality. Many of them lived and died and never saw it. I want to park here for a minute. Our youth band that was up here this morning, I, I, I praise God for them using their talents and growing, and, and, and I celebrate a church that lets that happen. Not many places want to see, you know, we want, we want the professionalism. We want this, we want that, we want everything. To, and we're, we're not giving way to youth groups. and things. I don't want to chase a rabbit, but, but here's the thing. We have an entire generation of young people hearing about a, land, a spiritual land flowing with milk and honey, but many today are wondering if that was just wishful thinking. Won't you hear me again? We've got many of our children that are growing up talk, listening to stories about a God who, who steps into the natural world and does supernatural things, and we, we hear the stories about what God used to do, but we're not hearing stories about what God is doing today, and so many of them start thinking that maybe those are just good stories. Maybe they're there to, to emphasize a moral point. I'm not here to give a moral gospel. I'm here to give the gospel of Jesus Christ, that a man that came, a, a sinless man, the Son of God, came, he became one of us. He lived, he died, he was buried, he, res was ro he, was, he rose again three days later. He ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he's coming back. That's the gospel message that our children need to hear. But in the meantime, there's power in the mighty name of Jesus. And they need to know that. And we've got an entire generation growing up with wonderful stories about what God used to do, but yet they're wondering if that's all it is, is just stories. You know, we sing about the power and the blood, but our services are mostly void of power as we watch the clock, hoping the preacher doesn't get a second wind. You know my statement. I've been accused of being long-winded. It says not true. It may be long, but I've never been winded. Right? <laughs> you know, we talk about how effective prayer is. We have more people who show up for a barbecue than for a prayer meeting. Amen? We, that's true. We have a generation of young people growing up much like they did in Israel. I would imagine that many of them, that as they made their journey through the wilderness, probably concluded that it was just good stories, but it will never be a reality. Mom and dad were just trying to pass on something to inspire hope, but it will never become a reality. It was a good fairy tale to keep people's hopes alive. But listen, God had a plan. And listen, I don't care how dark the darkness is around us, God still has a plan. When it seemed like all of the world had forsaken God, 
Noah still found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God always had a plan, and he still has a plan. And that plan, he sent a deliverer by the name of Moses to lead them out of bondage into a land of abundance. And now they're finally ready to claim what they had held on to for 430 years. Joshua 3.14 says, and again in our text it says, and it came to pass. That's good news. I love that. Because after 430 years of wishful thinking, after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, watching an entire generation die in unbelief, it came to pass. Maybe you're sitting here this morning, and that's how you feel. You've been bound so long that the thought of being set free seems like wishful thinking to you. You've wandered in a spiritual wilderness for years. You've seen the scattered corpses of of people whose faith has been shipwrecked by unbelief. You've watched faithful men and women of God give up on God and the church, and, and you start thinking to yourself, why do I hang on? Well, honey, I came to tell you, it came to pass. You've got a due date. There's a harvest season in your life. If you'll just keep pursuing and keep moving forward and keep trusting God, He'll bring you in. Again, you've got to understand, Deuteronomy said the purpose of God was to bring them out to bring them in. And God's purpose is not to take us out with a dream and then let us flounder in the wilderness without it being fulfilled. You see, God, I think it was the Imperial sang this song years ago. He didn't bring us this far just to leave us. He didn't teach us to swim to let us drown. He didn't build a home in us just to move away. See, it came to pass that it was God's time for Israel, to, the children of Israel to move from where they were to where he wanted them to be and to receive their long-awaited promise. And it came just like it came to pass for them. I just, I just came to remind you it will come to pass for you. Again, I, I, I was joking with early service this morning. You know, I'm, I'm in my 50s now, but it, the way church work, the world works is that when you're under 50, you know, I've been here 29 years. So in that 29 years period of time, I've had many opportunities. People call me, write letters, say, hey, would you consider coming to be our pastor? Well, now that I'm past 50, they don't do that anymore. <laughs> you know, they, 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 they want a 35-year-old pastor with 40 years of experience that wears skinny jeans and, uh, you know, whatever. I'm not, I'm not going to go there, but anyway. Uh, but, but the thing is, What's held me here for 29 years is there's a dream yet to be fulfilled. It, gets, it tucks me in at night and it wakes me up in the morning. I can still see it like I can see each of you. Cody, just like your red shirt, man. I can see it just like I see your red shirt. Is that an Alabama shirt, by the way? No. <laughs> he gets feisty when I say that, so I just... <laughs> it, it's, it's a dream. And what keeps me moving and going and dreaming is the fact that I know that it will come to pass. Oh, I've seen a lot of it come to pass, but I've not seen all of it come to pass. I still have a dream. How about you this morning? I still have a dream of what God wants to do. I still have, I've had visions of what God wants to do, and we're not there yet. As long as there's one soul within reach of us, we ought to be diligent about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. That ought to be what occupies us. Listen, that dream that you're holding on to, that promise that you're hiding in your heart, it will come to pass. See, Israel's time came for them to move out of the wilderness because the promised land was theirs. It's time for God 
It was God's time for them to pack up and to move to the land from not enough to a land of more than enough. And I believe it's coming for us. I believe your dream, your promise, that land of, 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 of sacrifice, that land of, 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 of scarcity is about to change to a land of blessing and a land of favor and a land of more than enough. If we'll simply get out of the one side of Jordan, trudge through the, the rivers of opposition and hardships and step into the land of promise, we can see everything that we dreamed of. Because it came to pass. Listen, we can't sit here any longer, church, and cast in longing. And how many of you are like, Pastor, what in the world? I mean, do you know what we've done the last two years? Oh, yeah, I've been at every one of them. That's why my back's killing. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know what we've done. But see, that's past tense. Past tense. It's not about what I've done, what we've done. It's about what we're going to do. It's not about people that we've reached in the past. It's about people that we're going to reach in the present and in the future. See, we can't sit here casting our eyes longingly across the oppositions uh, to our inheritance. Something has to be done. Listen, we can't sit here wishing things to be different. We have to do something. Listen, can I tell you that marriage will not heal itself? Amen? Wow, that hit a nerve right there. Maybe I need to go into a marriage series pretty soon. <laughs> Listen, that marriage will not fix itself. It will not heal itself by wishing it would get better. Amen? You're going to have to do something. That child will never come to the faith of accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior if you just hope they make that decision. Listen, that's why parents, be a parent. You're going to get me sidetracked. Get, just be a parent. Teach them right and wrong. Let them know when, when the government's wrong, let them know it's wrong. When the teaching's wrong, let them know it's wrong. Stand up for righteousness. Be a voice that speaks reason and truth into them. And anyway, that's a, that, that's a whole other issue. That child will never come to know the Lord if you don't do something. As you move from where you are to where God wants you to be, it's going to require you to cross over the Jordan River and receive it. But here's what I want you to know. God will always make a way. God will always make a way can't you just imagine them standing there and Joshua was telling them hey now guys it's time to move over it's time to move in don't you imagine I, I know I would have questioned it if I'd been there I would have think I would start thinking to myself well doesn't God know it's flooded I mean how in the world we're we going to get across you know back in military days we had we had specific army units that had these flotation things that would come and build a bridge well they didn't have that God don't you know it's flooded down here you know what God did? God made a way. Listen, maybe you're sitting here this morning. Maybe you've tuned in online, and what you're facing right now is so insurmountable, you think it is absolutely impossible. Listen, I can't explain how God works. I just know he does. I can't explain it. I just know that he does. I, I don't know how he's going to meet your need. I just know that he will. Whatever he has to do to get you from where you are to where he wants you to be, it will come to pass. He will get you there. Again, I don't know. Listen, if he has to dry up a river to get you there, that's what he'll do. You ever thought about that? I mean, if he has to part a mountain for you to move into the land of plenty, he'll do that. 
when the time comes for you to, 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 bring, to, to bring you into your land of promise, to bring you into the land of uh, a blessing, it doesn't matter how many grumps and sour pusses say that it cannot be done. It doesn't matter how big the obstacle is that stands in your way. When God gets ready for you to inherit your dream or your promise, he'll dry up every river, he'll move every mountain, he'll bring down every giant, whatever he has to do to bring it to pass, that's what he'll do. That's what he'll do. It came to pass for them, and it'll come to pass for you. I like that. I like that. Some of you are holding on to something. You've been holding on for a long, long time. Keep hanging on. There's a promise of healing. Somebody's been hanging on to it for a long time. It will come to pass. See, God does some great work when it's, when that's, you know, when God is all we have, we find out he's all we need, right? I love what God told Joshua to do. He said, Joshua, tell 12 men to go back into the river bottom and bring out these stones. And I want you to build a memorial. And he said, and I want you to tell them every time they say, what does this mean? He said, I want you to tell them it came to pass. You know what? God does the same thing to us today in the New Testament church. Hebrews chapter 12 is one of my favorite verses. Chapter 12, verse 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed by such a great cloud of witnesses. He said, Let us throw off every weight and sin that does so easily entangle or ensnare us. And let us run with patience the race marked out for us. He said, Pastor, what does that have to do with it came to pass? Well, listen to me. Just like God instructed Joshua to take these stones out of the riverbank and to build this memorial so that every time somebody saw that, they could say, this is where God brought us over. This is where we inherited the promise. This is where our destiny became a reality. This is what God has done for us in the 21st century. God has piled up living stones to testify to his goodness in this generation. I want you to think about that for a minute. There are people that are sitting here today in this building that should be dead. The doctor said that it was terminal. The doctor said there was nothing that they could do, that you're not going to live much longer. But here you sit this morning as a living stone of God's ability to heal sicknesses and diseases. And we can look at that living stone and we can say, you know what? If God healed them, God can heal me. If God raised them, God can raise me. See, there are living stones all around us this morning. Amen. There are people sitting here today. That, that said that everyone said the marriage was over. In fact, the divorce lawyers were already drawing up the papers. But here you sit this morning as a living stone of God's ability to mend broken hearts and broken homes. There are some sitting here today that, uh, that the bank came and they foreclosed on your house and they repossessed your car and they kicked you out. But you sit here this morning as a living stone of testimony that says, My God shall supply all of my need according to his riches in glory. Some are sitting here this morning and you've been troubled on every side to the point that you were ready to throw the towel in and quit God and his church. And, and everyone said to you, there's no sense trying anymore. But here you sit as a living stone. You squared your, your shoulders and you said, I know in whom I 
have believed in. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. There's some sitting here today that were spiritually dry as Melba Toast. Spirituality, they, they didn't understand how they drifted so far away. But you sit here this morning as a living stone that testifies. If that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, he'll quicken your mortal body. If that spirit dwells in you. All around us, there are living stones. I'm, I missed preaching last week. All around us, there are living stones that testify to the faithfulness of our God. All we got to do is look. And can I tell you this morning, these stones let us know that if God did it for them, God will do it for me. If God came through for them, God will come through for me. If he provided for them, he's Jehovah Jireh now, he'll provide for me. Amen? He's my shalom. In the midst of chaos and, 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 and disaster and calamity, he's the prince of peace who steps in and speaks, peace be still, and it still happens today. See, that's what living stones do. Listen, it came to pass. Guys, come on back. I'm going to wrap this up. It came to pass for them, and it'll come to pass for you. I don't know what you're hanging on to, but I promise you, Hang on a little tighter. Hang on a little longer. I pray for my wife every day. Every day. My dream, she sits over there. She wore out in that wheelchair. We have that chair removed so I, we could park her right there. And I have a dream of one Sunday morning. I, and listen, she's, she's been a stroke victim now for 10 years. So, so medically, it's absolutely impossible for her to stand up and walk. That right arm that can only move about like this, hands can't move at all. Ten years of that condition, medically impossible. Medically impossible. But I still have a dream. One day in the middle of a worship service, or maybe one day preaching a message to hear a little, whoo, <laughs> or a little laugh, whatever she does. I don't, I don't even know how she does it, you know. And to see that dead arm shoot right up. And those dead fingers that can't move, that can't grip the hands of my grandchildren, see them things straighten out. And those legs that are no bigger than a quarter, Watch strength come in them and her stand up. And she gets her bearing and then all of a sudden, anybody remember Pop Irwin? Some of you been here a long time ago, you remember Pop Irwin? Almost 80 years of age, that guy's done every, just about everything imaginable, but boy, he'd get, he'd get happy in Jesus and he'd had, let out a little, whoo, you know, type thing, and boy, you better get out of the way because he'd step out in that aisle, man, off he was to the races. And there's nothing weird about it. It was a man that was in love with Jesus. He just felt it all in his body. And that's the only way he could respond to the overwhelming presence of the Lord was to get up and run. I see my wife doing the same thing. You know the thing about my wife, even before her stroke, she wouldn't run. <laughs> I still have a dream. I've seen wheelchairs <laughs> lined up. See, I believe one of the last things we'll see before Jesus comes is a restoration of healing in the body. I, I, believe, I believe that all 
30 plus years of ministry. See, in other parts of the world, as I've traveled, I've, I, I think, Terry, you was with me on that particular trip there in, in San Luis Potosí, Mexico, a man that had been in a wheelchair for 38 years. By the end of the crusade, the dude got up and carried his wheelchair home. Deaf ears open. I mean, I saw it with my own eyes. And Pastor, why doesn't it happen here? Well, because Jesus is not all we need. Our mindset. See, in other places, that's, he's all they have. And they found out he's all they need. And you see things that are incredible. I'm not saying that Jesus is not doing miracles in America. I'm not saying that at all. We've seen cancers healed here. We've seen marriages, like I've said, we've seen marriages that have gone to the divorce court restored. We've seen children reunited with their parents heart to heart. Powerful stuff. What I'm saying is whatever you're holding on to, it will come to pass if we keep pursuing him. Don't waste any more time, guys. I'm closing, I promise. Don't waste any more time standing here, casting a longing eye to the promised land, wondering how long. It's time. See, the miracle of this story is the fact that the Jordan River didn't dry up while they stood on the bank waiting for it to dry up so they could go over. The Bible says when they stepped into it, the waters parted over that step is a step of faith see if you want something you've never had you have to do something you've never done sometimes we sit here wishing and hoping and even praying but we never take that step we never take that step to enhance our marriage or to strengthen our marriage or our family structure whatever we never take that step to do some things in any area of your life. That's what God sent me today to say. It's time to take a step. It came to pass. It's your dream, your promise. It wasn't for naught. It'll become, it'll become a reality if you're willing to step out into the treacherous waters. I've baptized people in the Jordan River. It's cold, really cold. But I thought, when I was standing in that river, had eight people I baptized, I'm standing there in that river and I'm thinking, this is the water that God stopped so they can inherit the promise. Whatever your river is, whatever that challenge is, he'll stop it so you can get over there to the promise. I want you to stand with me this morning. I want to do this this morning. Again, they're going to sing one song for us and while they're singing. Have you stopped dreaming? Have you stopped dreaming? I, I, I don't know any other way of, of asking that. Have you stopped dreaming about what God wants to do through you? If you have, it's time to dream again. It's time to dream again. Maybe you're holding on to a promise and you've been holding on to that thing for so long you wonder... Kind of like the children of Israel, if it was just wishful thinking. And you 
wonder if it'll ever come to pass. Well, while they sing this morning, I want you to symbolically take that step. And I want you to come down. Listen, the altar's where people are altered. I know many churches have gotten, gotten past that and they don't do the altars. It's not go, I know God can touch you there. But there's something that happens when I say, Jesus, it's me. And I take that step and I come down and I say, it's me. I need you, I need you, Lord. Restore my dreams. Anchor my faith in your promise. I'm here to grab hold of that truth. So when they sing, would you come and would you just take a few moments and say, Lord, here I am. I, I've quit dreaming. I've kind of doubted the promise. But I'm here today to take it again and to dream some more. So go ahead. While they sing, would you come? This is your day.
that's it right there that talks the priority if you just want him in all these things seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you as well listen as we dismiss this morning I just I just felt like while we were singing that song what a beautiful song I just want you nothing out there are no substitutes for what he offers and brings but here's, here's what the Lord laid on my heart. That ministry, and I don't know who this is for, okay? So I'm just going to speak what I feel impressed to say. That ministry that he birthed in you many years ago is still active, if you will. It's still his agenda. I don't know what the obstacles are. I don't know what the hindrances are. I don't know what he's going to have to do to get you to that place. But that thing that he birthed in you to do for the kingdom, he's never taken that back. It's still a call. And he will accomplish it. It will come to pass. If you'll keep believing and taking bold steps of faith. Keep dreaming with me, church. Not just you as an individual. Let's dream as a collective body. Just imagine what Bethel can do 
in this community with all of us dreaming the same dream of how to make a difference. Father, I love you today and I thank you so much. Lord, we can walk out of here knowing that it came to pass. That dream will be, be, be a reality. That promise will come to fruition if we take that bold step and go where we've never gone before. Now, Father, I pray for each one that responded, those that today said, Lord, I'm going to dream again. I'm going to keep hugging on to that promise. Give them faith. Let that faith rise up. Lord, to that one you're speaking, or maybe more than one, that maybe they've dismissed the idea of that ministry you, you planted in their spirit years ago, that women's event, that women's ministry, that you think, whatever it was, it's still there. And if we'll pursue, it will come to pass. Father, I pray you'll take us out of here with faith today, believing that better days are not behind us, but better days are yet ahead. Help us dream of what you want to accomplish in our lives individually and in us as a, as a body, a family of faith. Go with us today. Give us a wonderful day. Bless the meal time together in the meeting. Lord, I, I ask blessings upon those online today. I pray, God, that your favor would rest upon all that we do. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Thank you for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you and I love you.